Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that look like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. All right, welcome back to the SLC Punks podcast. This is your host, Hansen James. And this is Milo. How are y'all? And we are under 30 days from Utah Jazz Media Days. Training camp is Ooh. getting very, very close. Oh my I, goodness. I tell oh you what, oh, I, it's been a long drought. I don't know what people did before social media because I've been latching on to some of these videos that have released, but it's very close. We're getting closer and closer to jazz uh maybe being the second seed in the Western Conference. But today, we wanted to talk a little bit about why that very well might be the case. Uh, Milo has some pretty interesting research that we're going to go over, kind of talking about continuity. One, um, and I don't want to steal your thunder a little bit. I don't want to, but I'm maybe a little bit. But go, Michael, go you, did some, you did some research here. Just uh, I think the Jazz, the only player they lost was Jonas Jarebko. So that means that the Jazz... Are not probably going to win 40 games. I know. Losing Jarebko, that, you know, that'll be the difference between the Warriors winning the finals, honestly. If they don't win the finals this year, it's it's Jarebko related. But what that means is the Jazz have a 90% plus, what is it, 92% continuity? Yeah, 92% from the prior year. What's crazy is there's only been five other seasons in all of the Jazz franchise history that they've ever had a continuity of like 90% or more. That's just bringing it all back basically, except for one guy. Yeah. And that's, and, and uh, the most recent one, um, which, uh, which is um, in the era of our blog was the 2008, 2009. I thought you were going to say in the year of our Lord, (laughs) No, in the year of our blog, in the year, the year of our blog. Or in the year of the booze. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, sorry. During the, what is commonly known as the Fasenko era. Um, <laughs> we, uh, so, so the Utah Jazzy, uh, so the year was 2007, 2008. They, weren't, they were the surprise team that year. Uh, Darren Williams, uh, a second-year player, really hit it off with, with Carlos Boozer. They um, had great chemistry. Memno Kerr was one of the the first uh, stretch bigs in the league, like the, during this era where they could really take advantage of it. Yeah, it seems um, like he was kind of the first one that they really used that as a tool. Like there was like stretch guys in the past, like Sam Perkins, but Memo was like the original. Like this is your role is stretch the floor. Yeah, and and he, he was all like. He he set um a season record for the Utah Jazz in threes. 
which like, is awesome. He, he, he had the franchise record at one point. So that's nuts before Kyle Korver came in and just like, nah, it's mine, bro. And so he, so that team uh, went and surprised. They got to the Western Conference finals to play against the San Antonio Spurs thanks to um, a first round upset of the Houston Rockets against Tracy McGrady. And then also being serendipitously helped by the Dallas Mavericks losing to the Golden State Warriors, the We Believe Warriors. And then uh, mm-hmm. then Utah Jazz just wiped them out with, coincidentally, they had, they had the prototype Draymond Green and Andre Karolinko mm-hmm. and really wiped the floor with them with that, that type of offense. And that, speaking of, this is a complete tangent, but Andre Karolinko would have killed in this era. Oh okay. my goodness. Moving Absolutely. on. So uh so they get to the Western Conference Finals. They're completely overmatched against the San Antonio Spurs. Darren Williams has some nice games, and people are like, wow, this team is 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 um the next big thing moving forward. This is gonna be this is gonna be amazing. And and they should have been. And so the Utah Jazz, rightfully so, kept a lot of that team together and even went into uh the luxury tax with them. Uh, many people remember that they kept Ronnie Brewer, even though, um, uh, well, in the following season, they ended up trading Ronnie Brewer because of tax implications. Um, they had Paul Millsap, who was going to be um, hitting the books if they if they kept him around. So there was a lot of there was a lot of these uh, pieces. So they, but they decided to keep this very expensive team together. Uh, people used to uh, hate on Andre Karolinko's money, even though he ended up playing. And being healthier than uh, good old Boozer, um, they had Memo Kerr's money, and it, there was just a ton. There was a, just a, a huge bill to this team. They kept them together, uh, but they they actually lost more games that next year. But they lost more games because Boozer got hurt. Boozer got hurt. Um, that was when they found out how good Paul Millsap was. Like. He wasn't just like a scrapper yeah. around the rim. He was like, oh my gosh, this dude is a double-double machine. Um, and then I can hear my dog eating behind me. Like, hasn't <laughs> eaten all day. I, 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 like, I can't even like focus right now. I can just hear my dog like chomping. I'm like, like he's been dead asleep this entire morning. And then just, like I get on this podcast and then this dog is going to be like, yeah, this is this is the right time. This is the this time is to eat that sandwich. This is totally it. it. So uh, kudos to all of our listeners who get to listen to my dog eating <laughs> kibble. This is this is what you came for. I know it is. That's right. So, so but, but, they, but, they, but they lost. They, they lost more games. And that's the most recent one in memory. But if you go back all the prior years, you have the three. There were three years in a row that Utah Jazz kept kept basically the same squad and rolled them like rolled the same team out, and that was between 1996 and 1999. 1996 and 1997, obviously lost to Chicago Bulls, um, but in 1998, 1999 they had their shot, but there was a lockout season. They're old dudes. Um, they actually mm-hmm. won at the same clip, but at the end of the season, like at 37 and 13. And then they they struggled in the first round against the Kings, and then they and then they were out. Um, but then, but it, before that, which is probably the closest team I it, like that seems like this team is the nineteen eighty seven nineteen eighty eight Utah Jazz. 
Okay. And that's that iteration is a really, really, really in, interesting iteration because this is when they they started actually <laughs> getting to their first winning ways, like before. So, so their first winning, uh, like their first winning record in Utah was 1983, 1984. That was it, it, Adrian Dotley was here. They had Frank Layden, but um. Past that point, they started actually having success. And then um, in 1986, 1987, they lost in the Western Conference first round. And then they kept the same team and they had a three game, uh, a, a, a basically a three game increase. Uh-huh. And that team was actually um, led. And that was the beginning of the. Um, the John, that was the second, was that the second year of the John Stock? No, third year. But that that was the I believe that was the first year of him starting. Yeah, so that's the first year of him actually starting. So he started to have some success, mm-hmm. and so that w- and that was that iteration. That was the beginning of the Stockton and Malone era, and they had Mark Eaton and and uh, Daryl Bailey. They still had Daryl Griffith, who was struggling to um, uh, stay stay healthy. Um, yeah, he only, he only played like fifty two games. That's it. That that team is also a what if because. They kept that team together thinking, okay, Daryl Griffith is going to be healthy. And he just never was really healthy. And honestly, the dude should have been allowed to shoot more threes. Should have just been able to light it up. Like he shot like two threes a game. And in that time, that's like, dude, you really need to think about take, having better shots. Yeah, like better shots as in like get that 20 footer uh, taken, like step into the three point line, basically. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to take that long too, man. That's the better shot. Every, everyone's giving you the long two. So, um, so yeah, so they had, they, they had a, a, a good team in place, but they just, um, they were, they were dealing with, with, uh, with a lot of injuries during that time. And so, so th- that's the, that's the key when like continuity for the most part, if you have like, you don't want to, if you're bringing back a really bad team and bringing back almost everybody back that, Continuity isn't going to help you. Continuity is more indicative, I I would say, of like you have a good squad and you're bringing them back, mm-hmm. and because you have a good squad, that continuity um, and that familiarity with each other is really going to work. Except when it doesn't, when injuries happen. Yeah, and I think like the I think that's a real- big thing. With- well, I think the continuity te- you can see that improvement in that 1987, 88 season. Um, you continuity is really great. Also, when you have a team that's young, if you don't have a young team that can also like grow together, it's, you know, it's not really going to do a lot. If you just have, if you're just rolling it back with, uh, you know, Jefferson and, and Millsap and all those players, like the continuity is nice, but I don't know if it does as much for you as when you have the young core that the Jazz have now, because now the Jazz have all these players that had a full year together last year. Uh, most of the pieces on this team last year were, from different places except for four or five players. And so they were able to kind of have a full, a half a year, full year for most of them to get together. And now this year uh, they can just build on what they did last year. And because they're younger, a lot of those pieces will be improving where if you have an older team, that's got some continuity, it, it doesn't hurt to have continuity. It never hurts to have continuity. But if right. you have certain players that are in the twilight or the, near the end of their career, like Jer- Jefferson, where you start seeing like a downtick, 
and just having continuity with an older team. Like you saw that with the Cavaliers last year with LeBron. Like you have all these old players and a lot of them are now kind of on the downturn. It's not that good. Like the Cavaliers have slowly won fewer and fewer and fewer games the last three seasons with continuity. And that's because they were an older team. But with the Jazz, you've got Donovan Mitchell, who's going to be better next year and going to have more time to gel with with Ricky Rubio and and Joe Ingles and Dante and and Royce O'Neal, who's also young. He'll have another year to to gel with these guys. And both of them have at least three more years on their current contracts and then we'll have long term contracts after that. Uh it's it's a big deal that the Jazz were able to keep all these players. I, you have we yeah, have fun arguments right. on Twitter with some pe- some randos that think that the only addition the Jazz did this offseason was add Grayson Allen. And if that's your argument, I don't know if you should be writing about basketball because when you have younger players like the Jazz do, they were able to re-sign uh, Derek Favors and Dante Exum. Derek Favors, who's in the prime of his career. And Dante Exum, who still has huge upside and has never really been able to actually be on the floor to realize it. Uh, big additions for Utah, because I promise you there were other teams that would have liked to take a flyer or pull Derek Favors onto their team. And the Jazz will keep them. And the continuity should be a big deal for the Jazz this season. Yeah, that's and that, and and that's why probably the closest the closest team to like this jazz iteration might be that 2008 2009 just like the just like the Darren Williams Carlos Boozer years where like when it first started we we forget that you had uh, Darren Williams who was like a second year player you had um mm-hmm. you had uh, a Ronnie Brewer first year Paul Millsap first year um they had um they had a young Gordon remember Gordon Gears check um then they also had they had the sharpshooter and Kyle Korver. They and they then they had like good vets, you know, guys who had been on winning squads before and knew how to win. Mm-hmm. And well, and you could even see you, that that squad being even better if they hadn't let Kyle Korver go and found a way to keep him, like like not letting Derek Favors go or not letting Dante go because you know what the talent could become. It's right. It helps out. And 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 it, and it seems that Dennis Lindsay. Uh, um, knows when to really when to cash in and when to when to stay. Like a part of the reason too that Utah Jazz kind of like stuck around and and didn't make a move was, and it's it wasn't it wasn't because like as much as we want to say hey let's keep this team together and just like trot them out and see what can happen next year. Um, the way the free agent market was this year, it didn't really like play out to anything that Utah wanted to do. They didn't really have that much cap space that they could throw at a free agent. Uh-huh. Um, and so when they looked at it, they're like, okay, well, we can go over the salary cap and sign our own guys. And those guys are going to be better than anything we can get on the market for the less money that they could have. Because if you're lower than, you know, if you're, you're butting up against that salary cap, unfortunately, like you're not going to be able to go over unless you're signing your own dudes. Mm-hmm. And and that's what they did, and so uh, so it was it was a little bit of circumstance and and but also trust as well. Like you have young guys in Dante Exum, who um who has, still is showing has has a lot of potential in him. Like you said, you have Grayson Allen, who Grayson Allen's at the end of the bench, and and he's still a guy who could come in and probably contribute. 
quality minutes. And there's teams out there you that have, he, he could get regular minutes on certain bad teams in the NBA. He'd be like a regular backup. He'd be regular on the Nets. Yeah, he'd get like he'd you get, get he'd, he'd get, get minutes twenty there. minutes a game easily on the Nets. On this team, it's going to be hard to find room for him on the floor. Anyways, sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and so you look at that team, and the biggest thing for Utah for their success this year is. A, they need to be able to stay focused throughout all 82 because when they came out of the gate last year, there were two things that were just missing. A, the intensity. Like the only person, and we talked about this, uh, like the only person who showed intensity during games was Ricky Rubio. Unfortunately, that intensity they showed during games didn't show up in his ability to (laughs) gel with the team and play well. Mm -hmm. And then you had... um, and then you had a uh, good old uh, – th- then him, Ricky, and Gobert, they they were off. Like they they, they just it, – it seemed like a bad fit. Derek Favors and Gobert didn't work out. And so we talked a lot. Oh, my gosh. How many posts did we write last year before between beginning of the season and January where it's just like this Ricky Rubio, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert thing does not work? I mean that was the story like, of the season because things were going many terrible. Times. Yeah, how many times um you had Tabo who looked who looked like the the at times the best jazz player. He looked like maybe our most important player honestly. And and that and and, and that's not to say like he is, but that's just the, the the way the first half of the season is and that's because the team was unfamiliar. They didn't come out with the intensity. Like there was even weirdness like, like why it, isn't Quinn playing yeah, Tabo more? It was the the first half of last season was probably rougher than we even realized too. I bet there was like frustrations going on in the locker room and just like why isn't mm-hmm. this working? And it had to be rough, but they got over it. Luckily, they, they they did get over it, and now they're able to be able to take that continuity into next year, which is going to be amazing because now they know where everyone's going to be. They're going to be able to take advantage of a lot of Western Conference teams that have had a lot of roster shakeups like the LA Lakers. If you're playing the LA Lakers during the first like two to three months of the season, um, you're going to be able to take advantage of the fact that they don't know how to play with each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to, which is, which is going to be like awesome. Um, but, but that's, there are, there are going to be teams that are going to be going through what Utah went through. Or there might be teams like Portland that could blow it up, mm-hmm. um, and at a moment's notice, if it doesn't work out right, um, you got teams like Sacramento that are just easy wins because of that. Un- they're not disciplined. Um, you're going to have San Antonio that has a lot of new pieces to work out, and is going to be. Uh, you have Manu who's thinking about who's leaning towards retirement. You've lost Tony Parker. You've lost Kawhi Leonard. Like that team looks completely different. The locker room's completely different. Um, it, so, and then you have Houston as well. Houston is working in new guys, mm-hmm. and and Oklahoma City is working in new guys. Want to know who's not? Utah. Utah's going to just roll out there, and they know where everyone's going to be, and they're just they're going to hit the ground running. It could be. I know Utah's schedule is is difficult coming out coming out of the uh, just right out of the gate. But at the same time, because they know um, each other so well, they might be able to go on this streak and really, we might be talking like they're like, oh yeah, they're on an eight game winning streak. They're eight and no to start out the season. And it might be 
less that the schedule's difficult and, and more that they're able to take advantage of some of these teams like Houston, um, Dallas, Minnesota, and just take advantage of these like dysfunctional teams when they're just so so in the groove. Well, Houston would be a good example of how continuity would have been great for them. Um, they did the right thing. They re-signed Chris Paul, and you know, for the first two years of that contract, it's going to be nice. But man, two years at Supermax for Chris Paul, that's going to be rough. But they lost two players that played a key part of the, the success of that team. It, obviously, the core of that team is Chris Paul, Harden, and, and Clint Capella. But they lose Trevor Ariza and Umba Mute, who uh, took bigger contracts elsewhere. Uh, like the Jazz know kind of who the three or four main core guys are on their team with Donovan, Rudy, and then you can argue how who comes next, whether it's Joe Ingles, Derek Favors, Ricky Rubio, uh, and so on. But it's those players that really make a big difference, and maybe we can transition to this that we were talking about, but it's the players like Jay Crowder and Tabo Cephalosha and even Alec Burks a little bit that are kind of, they're going to come into the season knowing their role again. Although it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with Tabo and Jay Crowder because they kind of play the same position, but it's like like yeah. two different types. They're definitely going to be going to be in a competition. Yeah, you got length. They're and definitely going to be in a competition, Tabo, and then you've got strength and and power with Jay Crowder, and it'll be interesting to see how that that'll that'll be as about as interesting as anything on the team. We know kind of what we're going to get with Donovan Mitchell. It's just kind of how much of it we get, and then. You know what you get with Rudy. You know what you're getting with Derek, uh, Ricky as well. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I'm actually, I think that's going to be a curious thing. Who is that first stretch four that comes off the bench? My guess. I, I, well, you it, can go ahead it, if you want to go first. It, well, I was just going to say, just to, before we fully segue over, the difference between like a 55, or like a 50 to 55 win team and a 60, like a 60 win and above team is how i i would say how disciplined your role players are how much these ro- your role players do know their role and stick to their role mm-hmm. and and um how much that is communicated cuz that's all the difference because you all, you always know what you're getting out of your star players like like it, michael jordan didn't lead his team to 65 win teams it wasn't until he had a supporting cast that knew what they were supposed to do to do that same with the utah jazz the utah jazz were a perennial playoff team from the time that like from the time that daryl griffith showed up to the time they made their first nba finals but the difference between them winning 48 to 55 wins a, a year to 62 wins was everybody knew their their damn role mm-hmm. everybody knew what they were supposed to do and they executed it perfectly and that's what, like, for using Houston, since we're using them as an example, that's why it makes no sense why you'd be like, we have a bunch of guys who know how they fit. They know what they're supposed to do. They know how they fit in the offense. Mm-hmm. And we were the, it's like, you were the number one team in the league last year. And the only reason you didn't make it to the NBA finals was your, your point guard went down with an injury. That's it. And I feel like Daryl Morey overthought the 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 off season. It was just like we can get we're going to get like he went all in on Carmelo, and it was just like uh, it, it just now then then again Daryl Morey is a like the ultimate ultimate analytics guy, and maybe he's seeing things that something someone else doesn't. 
but the analytics don't tell you, you know, that personality and that acceptance, that, that player's acceptance of a role mm-hmm. and, and wanting to accept it. And it's hard to see Carmelo go to, go to Houston and be like, I'm going to sacrifice for the team. Like he had a playoff team in, in OKC. He wasn't doing no sacrifice. Oh my gosh. Even when Every the time playoffs, he shot the ball, I was even excited. When yeah, even when the difference was a first round exit and the second round, he could not put his himself aside. And so, so we're supposed to believe that it's suddenly going to happen because he's on a, a team that could go two rounds further. Well, it like, there's so much Carlos Boozer to Carmelo Anthony. It's not even funny. That is a that's a great point. He has the car like let's let's I'm be a starter, real like period. You know, stuff like that and yeah. Well, starter period, but also um, somebody had a tweet about Carmelo where they're like, "Is there has there been a guy who's gone out there and got got bread more than Carmelo oh, Anthony? He's who always just chose, got out there and got he's his. always chosen the contract, and, and, no matter what. And and Carlos Boozer is definitely that dude. He's just like, I will play whoever whoever pays me the most. I will be there because that's what he did. He did it with it, like that's why he went to Utah. That's why he busted out like he said he was going to go in Miami, and then he was like, "Oh, Chicago's going to pay me how much?" And then he was off to like, mm-hmm. that's, that's just, and, and, and Carmelo Anthony has just been that dude. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But you as a, like, I, I'm not going to fault Carmelo Anthony for playing that way. I am going to fault GMs who think they're going to be the dude who suddenly changes Carmelo's temperament on, on, on like taking a lower mm-hmm. role with their team, like Oklahoma City did. And like press, like two, this is two smart GMs in a row who have fallen for this. Presti has fallen for this, mm-hmm. and um, and now and now Maury, and it's just like, dude, like, like the the only the like there the only other GMs that are like smart GMs out there that could that you would be like, wow, he got he got smart GM bingo, and 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 would be like RC Buford and and um and then. And then Dennis Lindsay in Utah. Like after that, you're like, oh, you hit bingo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, I. That's one thing that I think Dennis Lindsay is really underrated with. And we're, it was I was kind of thinking about that when we we're just talking about the continuity a little bit. Is Dennis Lindsay really understands player values? Like he understands the value of obviously, like, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles. Um, but he also understands the value of those end of the bench guys like he made sure he re-signed Howell Neto who maybe there's a lot of GMs out there who don't really care but it seems like uh, Don, uh, Dennis Lindsay understands the full locker room aspect of everything he understands that Neto's been a solid player and he, he understands the message he sends to other players uh, by giving contracts to specific players like Neto like making sure that he got a contract for George Niang sends a big message to everyone else in the Jazz G League. It sends a big message to Naz Mitru Long that if you work hard, we're not going to just forget about it. Like if you work hard, we will reward you. And good good management and good leadership does that. The bad management and bad leadership leads people along, uh, lets them feel like, "Hey, I'm trying my best, you know, so that I can get to another level on this team or maybe earn my way onto this team and then just trades them." or just cuts them because they're able to get Carmelo Anthony who was good three years ago. Exactly. And that just, it like it, 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 it makes no sense. Like you, you, yeah, you look at like Trevor Ariza last year 
and you're, and and uh and Luke Mamute, and you're like these dudes were like they kept Donovan Mitchell in check. Well, that's the thing. Like, their defense was such up, a big they, part of their the, wins last year. It wasn't the offense was obviously great, but they were a top five defense. And right, no one, no one, like no one around the league was saying, you know what, man, Houston's really just missing that that <laughs> another like top tier offensive player. I still think Carmelo's a top tier offensive player. I just don't think he's a plus player. Mm-hmm. Like he'll still make shots. Like, I think for he's them. A, he'll still. Yeah, but he's just. He's older. He looks like he's not as in as in great shape, and that's just harder to do when you're older. I mean, I'm not kidding. He's like every ten year old's M- NBA 2K creative player. Like they spent all their money on offensive skills and haven't like touched the defensive oh, end. Man. Well, like that's that's no, like honestly during that Utah series, every time he was on the floor or shot the ball, it was just like a sigh of relief for me because it was like, oh, and they hunted him. They they just went Carmelo hunting on every play. They 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 tried to confuse him. They put they made sure he was a key defensive player in every single one of their mm-hmm. sets. They made sure that he could not like they would they, like they would switch and switch until they could get him to a point where they could run a play in which he had to be a major part. It didn't mean he was guarding the ball handler, mm-hmm. but it was just so that like all of a sudden he was stuck guarding like favors. Or he was on a one-three pick and roll, or he was he was having to chase Joe Ingles down. He got switched onto Joe Ingles, and so they ran Joe Ingles on a bunch of screens. Like it was just until he could not like be a bystander. Um, and and so you look at like Utah coming up this year, and and you look at teams that did not put a focus on continuity when probably they should, and you look at Utah and. And it's kind of funny, like, uh, like a lot of people kind of razzed on, like you said before, on Utah's offseason because all they did was sign Grayson Allen. Like, all they, that's all they did. They just dropped to Grayson Allen and they signed some G League player. Mm-hmm. And But then you look at it and you're like, okay, well, let's think. Um, if any team would have signed Dante Exum or Derek Favors in the offseason, people would uh, – these same writers who were like – said Utah hasn't done anything well first they would champion whoever signed them they'd be like oh this is a great signing with Derek Favors because when he played without Rudy Gobert he was an 18 and 10 player he was he was this he was working like he started like they would build up Derek Favors and be like he's shooting a three this is this is a really good piece to have Mm -hmm. on your team but for some reason Utah signs them it's just like they haven't done anything and you're like no 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 because there was no like there was more opportunity cost in losing him than there was of keeping him mm-hmm. like th- that th- and so if that's the key then Utah Jazz did what they were supposed to do they didn't have a boring offseason they did exactly what they were supposed to do same with Dante Exum um if if they like for example if Phoenix went out there and signed uh put through a contract at Dante Exum and they're like you know what? That's a really good deal because now they have Dante Exum, they have Devin Booker, and they have DeAndre Ayton. They have this like strong young core. But Utah keeps Dante Exum, and they're like, you know, here's this draft bust that I just don't even know what they're doing with. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, like the narrative changes with that. It doesn't sound as sexy. It's not a movement. It's not mm-hmm. new. And but the fact of the matter is, these two, like if they would have signed away with other teams, it, I'm not saying it, they would have been like an A plus offseason rating for anybody, but 
it would be intriguing and it would get people talking and they would say, oh, they had a really intriguing offseason versus Utah signs both these dudes and they're like, see, sticking with the status quo. And it's like, what else were they supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm sure else? they tried to get, I'm sure, I mean, Donovan Mitchell did everything he could to try to get Paul George to think about Utah and and that would have been neat if he had come over here, but that was never really a realistic possibility. That was like, you know, it'd be great if it happened, but it's not going to happen. And so you have to make sure you understand the value of Derek fat favors. You know that not only is he a, always a positive player, both on the offensive end and the defensive end, even though he's not your kind of prototypical modern day stretch four, he's always proven out to be v- much more valuable than you realize. Uh, so you got to resign him or your team gets actively worse. And then you have Dante Exum who you tanked an entire season to get and has only had only his rookie season where he was super timid. Has he actually gotten regular minutes? The other three, whether it was injury or dealing with Gordon Hayward free agency, didn't get a chance. And so if you lose him, you waste all that time and work you put into him. And it would have been a really, it would have been a rough off season if we'd have lost both those players and, and go out and pick like Wayne Ellington or some rando free agent that will only help marginally off, you know, as your eighth or ninth guy, that's not doing anything for you. Yeah. And that shows, it shows to your guys and they paid Derek favors too. Like Derek favors is going to the, into the season, knowing that he's probably going to ha- continue to have that lesser role of 25 to 30 minutes a game. Uh, probably not going to finish games all the time. Uh, going to play with a second unit a lot. He's going to be happy because he's making $18 million a year. And Dennis Lindsay kept his promise and, and made him got him paid. And Derek favors feels good about himself because he feels like he earned the contract and he gets to enjoy that money and that security and everything while also playing on a role and playing with a winning team in a role that he knows he can be successful. At. It's, it's really a good off season. Is it, I mean, a great offseason would have been if we got LeBron or Paul George or Chris Paul or something like that. But, you know, those players either went to places they were going to go all along or stayed with the teams they were already with. And so there was no there was no way. So Dennis Lindsay signing those players makes this team a better team, even though, yeah, technically the only addition was Grayson Allen. Uh, It's a better team because of it. And in a better culture. Yeah. And I like what you said before, too. Like, you think about that Carlos Boozer stuff, the I'm a starter period. And I'm sure that wasn't Paul Millsap's favorite quote to hear. And but the culture that the Jazz have now compared to back then is just so much better. The players seem to legitimately enjoy each other and want each other to succeed and and earn big contracts and hold each other. Exactly. And you've got players like Joe Ingles, who's a leader on the, he's like a coach on the floor that like, if uh, I think we were talking on the phone, you were mentioning to me about how like Joe Ingles will call somebody out if they're not doing what they're supposed to. And that's in this locker room. That's okay. There's locker rooms in the NBA where they tell him to, you know, do something else or, you know, but not with the Utah jazz. You can, tell someone on this team like hey that's costing us points uh i i actually really love one of the things that quinn snyder does if you ever go sit courtside or close to courtside near quinn snyder and he's always doing this and you don't really notice it until you go to the game and you sit right next to him but he constantly yells what does he yell that's two points dante 
that's two points we don't get back. <laughs> but he'll yell that at everybody. <laughs> Rudy, that's two points. We don't get those back. <laughs> it's actually one of the funniest. I don't know. I don't know if it's funny. I like it. But he does that all the time. And you can do that on this team. It's very Spursian that, you know, you get called out when you do the wrong thing and it doesn't cause turmoil. Right. And, 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 and I think I think everyone in, in the Utah Jazz locker room, just because of the uh, the age of Donovan Mitchell, the the um, the age of the vets and how many teams and good teams they've been on. Um, and where they've traveled and what they've done, just because there's this, this just like uh, a real diversity of experience on this team, I think everyone is the same in the power structure to be able to call each other out. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, like it, 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 you you see it with like John Wall with the Washington Wizards, right? Like you he 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 him and Beal are like children when they call out other uh, other other guys on their team. Uh, but but lack the accountability to be called out on the other end. And when Gortat, when they threw Gortat on the bus and Gortat was like, you know what? It's everybody. We're all kind of in this together. They're like, oh, no, it's totally Gortat. Like that, you know, we're need a more athletic guy to be helping us on, on the defensive end. Like just throwing the dude under the bus versus like you take Utah and you could very, very easily see like Tabo call out Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. You could easily see Epe Udo, who's a dude who spent like the, the lot, majority of his career in Europe, call out Ricky Rubio or, or Joe Ingles. Like they're going to listen to each other. And I also think that's because you have guys who have played similar experiences. Like you have Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio, who have played in EuroLeague and have, um, and, and have seen that journeyman life. Ricky Rubio didn't live it, but he saw dudes who were in Europe living mm-hmm. it and got to see how lucky he was when he when he was in the NBA. You um you have guys uh like Derek Favors, who has gone through multiple role changes as the NBA has passed him by. And so he's he's been brought down to earth and then back up. You have Rudy Gobert, who started out his league, his 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 career in the G League. You have Donovan Mitchell, who was overlooked. And then um, went late into the went later in the first round, and uh, it, and and keeps that mindset of being uh, of being just pretty humbled of where where he and 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 thankful where he needs to be, and so you have this and and you could say the same with Jay Crowder and Ricky Rubio actually have a shared experience of of their of their of of, of a parent passing mm-hmm. away, um it, when they're young, um and and so there's 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 connections on this team, which it's, this is one of those things where when, if you're a GM, you can plan out your team, you know, like have the right interviews, do the right research, have the stats in front of you, mm-hmm. the analytics, do, you know, watch the tape. But then there's things that just serendipitously happen that make your team better. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there, and that's with the Jazz, with you know a lot of Euroleague ed, um, experience, with a lot of G League experience, with a lot of um, journeymen's, with the um, guys who have been overlooked or overshadowed, um, guys who uh, like so you have all these shared experiences like that, and all of a sudden um, this this island of broken toys really isn't an island of broken toys; they're just pieces to the puzzle that really do fit, mm-hmm. um, and and. 
And and it really is kind of a money ball. We we talked a lot last year about money ball and how this Jazz team was like a money ball team. And and a money ball team when when Moneyball came out and it was getting really po- that was when it was really popular, like well in the popular lexicon, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh yeah, uh, like it seemed like every blog at that time was just like, okay, you know, let's what, let's build our Moneyball team. Not even talking about how that Oakland A's team really came together because of shared experiences, and there were some serendipitous things that you just can't plan for that occurred. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with Utah last year. They they took a money ball approach to the defensive end and just said, "This is where the value is. We're going to go where um, we can spend, we get more mo- bang for our buck when we spend money, and just see what happens where the cards lay out." And then some surprising things happened. Donovan Mitchell happened. That didn't happen because Donovan Mitchell having an insane year wasn't because in the off season Dennis Lindsay's like, "We need to find defensive players." That just happened. Um, Joe Ingles having like getting better another year wasn't because they focused on the defensive end. It was because he mm-hmm. got better. Ricky Rubio learning how to like there were some things that just occurred that you can't plan for, and so which raised their ceiling. And so the r- real hope this year with the continuity is just can they just be healthy? If they're healthy and they're and they are the same team as last year just as long as they're healthy this is the second seed in in the west with no change whatsoever no change whatsoever this is the second seed in the west if they're healthy if there's even like some increase in ability with donovan mitchell dante exum jay crowder um you get some production out of grayson allen you you have Derek favors who shoots maybe two percent better mm-hmm. from three then all of a sudden, this team can survive a lot of injuries and still be the second seed in the West. It's it's making up for a fun season. I really like what you said, though. There's not a player on this team that didn't get overlooked or didn't have to improve their craft drastically to get where to where they were either just an NBA player or beyond. And um, Dennis Lindsay, I, I, I mean, it's really that's why we should be happy with the offseason, too, is. The character of this team from the top down is a bunch of guys that is willing to get better and do what it takes to get better. There's not like there's not like that number one overall pick that just expects to get the ball like an Andrew Wiggins who hasn't gotten much better since he's been in the league. There's just every single person, even Donovan Mitchell, who is really a superstar now. Uh, he started off, he missed his first 18 threes when he was on the team. He uh, you know, Quinn Snyder saw the potential and and worked with him and allowed him to work through his things. But Donovan Mitchell was a different player from the start of the season to the end of the year. It's not like he just started making shots. He added things to his game to overcome some of the weaknesses that he was having. He did it at such a drastic rate. It was unbelievable that by midway through the year, he was a rookie of the year candidate. But he was like he had that extended reach off foot finish at the rim he turned himself to one of the best finishers at the rim in the nba uh and and as a yeah as like i think the only person who was better was yeah he's he was up there with literally lebron james by the end of the season with his finishing at the rim uh his that's that's why you should get excited about donovan mitchell like i there's the guy i was talking to this week uh who was saying yeah guess what sophomore slump is coming for donovan mitchell and i just don't see it because one, Donovan Mitchell 
got better from the beginning of last year to the, the end of this season. And I don't think that he, that's just going to stop. He's going to want to improve even more because that's kind of the character that he has. And that's why Dennis Lindsay, uh, that's, I mean, little side note, that's why some of these players are so great is they all have that work ethic and character to get better. Uh, but he's going to, like, he has a chance to be a, just a, honestly, I, I don't know. The sky's the limit with Donovan next season, how good he can be. And he, it's, it's, it's weird to think, isn't it? Like it, it feels almost blasphemous as a Utah jazz fan to be like, he's going to be a well, superstar. Like he, might, he might get some, MVP not just if we have a star player. How good he could be. That's like, that's like the ceiling, you know, is MVP both. Yeah, like, he won't win it, but because you, you look at him, the, the last rookie to do what he did uh, like 20 points or more. And uh, was a guard was MJ freaking mj and mj was playing a grip ton of minutes to do it and and um and guess what and between mj and michael jordan's first year and his second year so that's the big key with like why michael jordan was like you have michael jordan who's okay you know like not just okay but insanely good as a rookie and then michael jordan who was like holy crap this is michael jordan and that started to happen his second year. He was injured or, for yeah, a lot of that year, but the games he played, his efficiency mm-hmm. was nuts. But his efficiency was nuts when he came back and um, not playing a lot of minutes. And then that third year, man, mm-hmm. he was a beast. And well, so the thing is- you, you, look at, you look at Donovan Mitchell as if he increases his efficiency and he's playing less minutes than Michael Jordan, so that's going to really – like he's already playing minutes designed to keep him fresh for mm-hmm. the postseason, and so and so it's not like okay we're really going to have to cut down on his minutes, and so you might see less production. Mm-mm. With Donovan, if he's if he's a little bit like if he increases, like he could take another jump. And yeah, uh, spoiler alert: dudes who have averaged twenty points or more their rookie season at Donovan Mitchell's efficiency. Not a freaking one of them have taken a, 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 a had a sophomore slump. He's too talented. Like the, the, the class of dude, the class of dudes who are in that group, like Donovan Mitchell would be the first one. That that tells you like how rarefied of air that is, and that doesn't mean like we're saying okay, you know, it's sooner, it's going to happen sooner or later. It's all we're it's almost to the point where you're just like, if you have a rookie season like this, it's not a fluke. It's just well, who you are. It carried into the and playoffs. That's, that's too. why. That's why he's being guarded by excited. Paul George, yeah. who's one of the best defenders in the league. And I promise you, he was trying his best. And Donovan carried this team to wins in the playoffs. I mean, they lost to OKC in that game five. And Donovan Mitchell walks out and says, uh, I can't remember what he said. Not get ready to see you next year. See you next oh, year. I'm not good. We're, we're not coming back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's see big you guys time stuff. Year. And he went and he made good on it. Like he won that game. Yeah, uh, and go back. that's well. And the, the cool thing back. too that um I don't think gets talked about enough with Donovan Mitchell, and I don't know why, but it it's not just his work ethic. He's a film room guy. He's actually really really smart. He is a very like cerebral player. You see the physical talent, and it's incredible, and the and the skill level with the shooting and the ball handling and the passing. But a lot of that's because he does film study. He knows what to do against certain players because he studies before games. And I promise you, having had a a year under his belt as a rookie, he's going to understand how to be better at film study. What what things do I need to study and what things did I spend time on last year that really didn't help me out? And he'll be more and more efficient with 
what he studies and how he studies, uh, what he practices, what he doesn't. And guess what? If if he doesn't study, his mom is going to yeah, be down his awesome throat. Mom. Like, like he's got a good mom, mm-hmm. and his mom's a teacher. Like you, you, you don't, you don't skip homework when you're, when you're, when your mom's a teacher, like she will, she will, she will light he, him up. Like he, he will get, he will get a whooping to end all whoopings if, he, if, if, if he skips film study, like he's been taught, he's been taught well. He's got he's, fantastic he's just a, parents. Like he's, he's just, it would be yeah, so like, surprising to me to see any, I mean, maybe he does just as good as he did last year and that's his quote unquote slump. But Donovan Mitchell, by the end of last season, was a top 10, top 15 player in the NBA. He led his team uh, past. I mean, he was averaging like 24, 25 points a game to end the year and in the playoffs. He was absolutely unstoppable. And if all Donovan Mitchell does this year is improve his pull-up three-point shot, he's unguardable. (laughs) I don't know what you do to stop him. He is so good. And he's got ways to improve in terms of just passing. Like a lot of, I mean, I honestly had arguments at the beginning of the year. I was like, you know what? There is no shot from Donovan Mitchell. That's not a good shot this year. You could argue, you know what? Donovan's better at doing this and passing at this. And he's going to learn that his, he has a chance to improve his passing next year and become honestly just a premier, premier offensive talent. Yeah, he it's like James Harden-level stuff where you're shooting, scoring at will, passing and getting who knows how many assists he ends up averaging by the end of his career. He's going to be just absolute all-star level player next year if if he hits his potential. And that's what's – I think the biggest – the most interesting thing to watch next year is – with so many guys who are going to be free agents in 2019, like could be, you have Derek Favors who can be a free agent because the second year is not guaranteed. You have Ricky Rubio, you have Alec Burks, you have, um, so that's like the three big contracts right there. But then you have also have um, Udo, you have Tabo Cephalosha. Um, am I missing? Am I missing any? Um, I think that that's. Could be, I, think I guess that's Ricky Rubio could be a free the, agent next year, or will be. I think. Yeah, yeah, we had maybe you already yeah, mentioned. Yeah, that. he will be. Um, yeah, uh, I got I got him, but then so you have all these these guys who like you know could be could be free free agents, and then then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well. Um, yeah, so let's see here. So free agents for next year. Yeah, Rubio, Burks, Tabo, Udo, Derek mm-hmm. Favors could. Um, oh. And then you have, uh, then you have, uh, let's see here, Howell is, is second year non-guaranteed. Um, and then you have, yeah, so you have a lot of money that could be going to free agents. And so it's really going to be interesting to see the dynamic of Ricky and Donovan this next year, how well? Because Donovan's gonna has a real chance to turn into a really good playmaker, mm-hmm. and and so all of a sudden you start looking at that and you're like, okay, well, what can we do with that? What can we pair that with? What can we do? And um, is he? Do we want somebody who will take the ball out of his hands, and um, or do we want somebody who do we want the ball more in Donovan Mitchell's hands? And so it's really gonna be interesting to see Ricky Rubio's. Uh, next steps next year can he continue to hit those threes what kind of player does he turn into like next year is just going to be really really interesting as as um 
because there's a lot of continuity that happened this year, but next year there could be a ton mm-hmm. of turnover just because of the amount of money that's going to be on the market next season and uh, just the developments of guys like Dante. Because you have Dante mm-hmm. Exum waiting in the wings. Well, it's absolutely. Dante could have and, a big year uh, next Dante, year. That, you know, who knows what happens? That's the thing that's really fun, and that's what's going to make this season kind of exciting is just the continuity, but also there's just so much room for growth in multiple areas. We're not just kind of a one-note team. There's pun intended, no pun intended, but... There's just like there's there's room for each player to kind of grow within their role. Rudy Gobert is probably about what he's going to be for the rest of his career, but even he has things he could improve on. It looked like his hands kind of took a step back last year for some reason. I don't know why, uh, but if he can he can improve on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Favors, like you said, if Derek Favors shoots thirty three percent from three, then all of a sudden, man, this team has a I mean, this team has a dominant closing lineup if Favors can do that because then you can, if you can get a lead and at the last half of the fourth quarter, you just put in Favors, Gobert, and your best defensive lineups, you just choke teams out and win. There's like, the Jazz are going to be very, very good next year. It's hard to not see the Jazz being a team that wins a lot of games with defense and their second unit, which will be be monster. It's, well, and and here's the thing too, like, it, like one one part of the season, and I don't think any time during next season is the story of Utah going to become oh these guys are are free agents. I think the season's going to end, and it's just going to be like okay, what mm-hmm. did we learn from this? Um, if we're talking about oh you know well Rubio's a free agent, Favors is a free agent, then something has gone wrong mm-hmm. in the continuity experiment. Like that, that, that's, that's the only reason why we we would be talking about that is if, if all of a sudden we're at, we're, we're approaching the trade deadline and we're like, uh, the jazz are like the the 10th best team in the West. Like the West is going to be stacked, but if they're like, okay, they're three games behind and we, you know, they're still above 500, but what mm-hmm. does this mean going forward? But if you look at the the free agent list for next season, and Utah is going to have enough space for mm-hmm. one max dude. You got, of course, you got KD, who's going to oh, get absolutely. paid. And then you got Kawhi. Then you got Kawhi, who is going to be leaving Toronto. I doubt he's going to want to come to Utah, especially because he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to LA. Like, if you want out San Antonio, like, yeah, he ain't going to Utah. Um, it would be really awesome, but he ain't going to Utah. Um, then you have you have Kyrie, who he's most likely is going to be going back to Boston, I imagine. But then again, he's never been able to There's choose where he wants to go, so that's him. wide open. There's some weird rumblings where Kyrie's talked yeah. about New York. They, There's some weird rumors about Kevin Durant and New York. That would be interesting. Yeah, it's it's that would be. And plus, you got to think like there's these Western Conference dudes like. Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler, um, they might be itching to get back be. to the East. Like they just because the East is just like, like if you you if you say you were uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, mm-hmm. and Jimmy, you could converge on one of those one of those like like Brooklyn or or New York, and all of a sudden overnight you're 
uh, a championship contender versus out in the West. You're like, no, oh, we still got well, go and there's, there's gettable players. There's like Chris Middleton's um, out there who the jazz could find a way to get who would be a nice fit. Chris Middleton. Uh, Kemba, um, Kemba is probably gettable Kemba's, if you Kemba. want to pay him. Uh, also there's tradable yeah. players out there. Like the one that looks pretty tradable is I think Aaron Gordon is still very, He's going to be trade like they've got an interesting problem out there now. I think I think anybody on Orlando because you have no idea what Orlando and they could doing. trade Orla- assets to get him or, uh, if they like, want I to think- go full on with Isaac and and Bamba. And Aaron Gordon says, "Hey, I'm a power forward and like, I win as a power forward." Who knows? That that's a great point because you look at like Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte is going to be. Like if things don't turn around, Charlotte, that place is just going off like a like a tinderbox. Same with same with Minnesota, could blow mm-hmm. up any at any time. Uh, with um, with Carl Anthony Towns like not wanting to be with Jimmy Butler or any it, like, um, and and then you have um, then there's like the the real obvious ones where you're like, okay, well they're definitely like Washington. Washington's like one of those where where it could just blow up really quick. Portland is another one that overnight all of a sudden you might mm-hmm. day might be available or or CJ McCollum. Yeah, CJ there's just there's players so, that they might be able to get and they can offer. I mean, I know it's not as valuable as, as it has been in the past with expiring contracts, but the Jazz could throw multiple picks uh, of their own at people if they were like you know what Aaron Gordon looks like the perfect fit to take us to the finals and we want to go all in there's there's things they could figure out and try to do because they have these expiring contracts like you're talking about and well they have that and and if a big star comes up they're like okay we're gonna go all in and that's and Dennis Lindsay has talked about that where he always wants to be able to have the flexibility to be able to go after that star player if they become available mm-hmm. and if and, and if they're gettable. And he and but he also doesn't ever want to hamstring the Jazz like they were during the, the latter end of the Kevin O'Connor years with Boozer and Millsap with the poison pill um contract and then you had Darren Williams with his max and you had Andre Karolinko finishing out his mm-hmm. his his max and so it will be it, it'll be really interesting to see um, what all, um, what all goes down. So, yeah, man, we, 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 we covered quite a bit today. We wanted to talk to. See, we got all of that with no, with no basketball. Uh, it's because the Jazz are exciting. The Jazz are really fun. <laughs> They're going they to are. be so they much are. fun this year. Oh. We're, 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 we're getting so close. We are so close. Like, so... October 17th, we are, oh my goodness. Well, and training camp's oh right around the corner, so and jazz players are coming so back. Joe Ingles looks like he's going on vacation and will be here soon. And then they start rolling. So I hope you guys are oh, going to iTunes and, and uh, giving us a rating. We saw a couple new reviews come in, you guys. So I handed out a couple hot dogs last week. Uh, anyone else who... Anyone else who wants a hot you dog? Did. You, That's right. Did you actually send hot dogs? Did you Uber Eats? Did you send like just send Uber Eats out for like bring him a Sonic? No, he came to my house Tony and I heated or something it up like that in a dirty microwave. But you know what? It adds flavor. So 
No. What's that? Colin? I forgot your name, my guy. I forgot. It's on. I'll give you a shout out on Twitter. I forgot who it was. Collins. Collins, the original like he OG actually did, like, uh, I, follower of this. Yeah, he is. He is. Thank you. Thank you, Colin, for listening over 2,500 <laughs> times to make it look like we're popular. You're. But guys, like, you're the real MVP, man. Is it, but seriously, did you give out a hot dog? Did you get a hot? Did, like, like, are you messing with me? Or did I you give out? Did you really give out a hot this dog? This is all purely mer- metaphorical. Oh, man. <laughs> because, man, I, because, because the first, like, A, I would be really disappointed if you didn't, like, like give me a call immediately when that happened and be like, some rando dude. <laughs> if up you show up to my house, I, might, I don't know. I don't know if I actually <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> like some dude's like, I comment on your blog and be like, get the Who hell away you? from me. No, just kidding. You can always come to my house. I will be. I'm How like nice to everybody. Me? So if you come to my house and you want a hot dog, I'll make you a hot dog. Just call me before you come over here. Also, you can't have my number. But guys, if you go to iTunes, go and give us a review. All you have to do is type search SLC punks on your iPhone or your lesser Android phone and and give us a review we appreciate it it helps it grow it's actually growing pretty substantially the jazz are becoming very very popular nationally and it's showing up in our numbers and and in the amount of coverage we get and so help us out give us a review we appreciate it um let's see and you also should be going to slc dunk every day that should be like your routine brush my teeth slc dunk and go and read all the articles, click on everything. There's some cool things. I've got a Dungeons and Dragons post coming out on Monday. You are gonna wanna you're gonna wanna read that. I worked on it. Yeah, for that, like that I that small Venn diagram of of everyone who's like, I really love the Utah Jazz, but I also hey, I get my hey, D and D. There on. is an S that's gonna be an SEO monster, is all I can say. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be, oh, man, I can't wait. All seven of you <laughs> who are going to like love this. I'm really excited love for it. you. You guys are, <laughs> this is gonna be amazing. You're gonna really like it. This is, this is the content you've <laughs> finally been waiting for. But guys, you better, you better do these things because we enjoy doing it and it helps things grow. And who knows where this podcast goes, but it's going in good places. So, so do that. Uh, I, I don't have anything else to say, Michael. I'm ready to to see what the Jazz do this week to give us something to talk about. Sounds good. Well, guys, we will talk to you guys next week. Talk to you Enjoy. later. Enjoy. All right. And peace out.